research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view. This is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. Seated by my side is the co-host of this program, Eric Eggers. Eric, good to see you. Hey, it's always great to see you, Peter. <laughs> the only time we seem to get together is the confines of this small room. We're going to talk about some very important national security issues today, but before we get to that, I have to ask you a question. What is your general attitude towards popcorn and balloons? I'm wildly pro both popcorn and balloons. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Like I think for your money, you can buy your children thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Yeah. But a 30 cent balloon will entertain (laughs) them for far longer than anything else. Well, you're not alone because apparently the Chinese like balloons and popcorn as well. Uh, we are going to, of course, talk about the Chinese spy balloon that slowly drifted across the United States. But we're also going to talk about other aspects of the China threat, uh, including their efforts to smug, uh, smug, to smuggle. But they did it smugly. So, <laughs> you know, smugly it's smuggle. so arrogant, those Chinese popcorn smugglers. <laughs> They actually smuggled uh, some uh, seeds, uh, some genetically modified seeds in popcorn out of the United States, which was a huge boon for them. So we're going to talk about these issues, but I also want to talk in the backdrop against this because we are, in fact, the Government Accountability Institute, why it is we don't seem to ever deal with this stuff very well. I mean, this balloon... This was not like a, a spy plane that, you know, went at Mach 2 over America and before we realized it, it was too late. This was a slowly drifting balloon that for a week, essentially, we watched it drift across the United States and we seemed incapable with coming up with any coherent way to deal with it until after it had collected all its information. Well, it was way too dangerous to shoot down over land, Peter. So, for <laughs> yeah, for people that don't know, the balloon entered United States airspace when it entered into, I think, the Aleutian Islands on January 28th. Yep. It then re-entered uh, American airspace when it came across Idaho, and it was over the country for the better part of a week, and then it was shot down over the weekend, apparently at uh, Joe Biden's orders. He says he wanted to shoot it down several days earlier, but the military said, no, 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 we can't be shooting down balloons over people. And land and have to wait till it gets across water. Uh, I do think it's actually the balloon thing and the popcorn thing are sort of perfect metaphors for our relationship with China and or the threat that China potentially poses. And honestly, I think why the reporting that we do at the Government Accountability Institute and you've done in your books matters so much, because I think one reason, maybe not the reason, but a reason why we are slow to react to some of these Chinese threats are number one, because like a balloon and popcorn, like how big of a deal is this? Really, we're scared, of a, we're scared of a balloon. <laughs> we're scared of popcorn seeds. Right, right. Uh, and then number two, yeah, the, well, there happen to be high level business relationships and personal relationships that make things complicated, that make things um, not automatic that we would just 
act instantly in American best interests. Right. So are you are you buying the explanation that Joe Biden gave that he said to shoot it down on Wednesday? I'm skeptical of that. Why? Because he said he gave the order on Wednesday. The military came out and gave a briefing uh, and the military briefing was kind of perplexing because they didn't tip their hand to anything. There would have been no problem for them to say we've been given the order to shoot down the balloon. We're waiting until it goes across the coast. It wouldn't have changed anything. Uh, I think it's it's sort of a a um, a way to kind of cover his tracks because they seem to be uh, chaotic at first saying it wasn't a big deal, then saying it was a big deal, then saying we need to respond to it in a different way. Uh, I'm just not buying Joe Biden's explanation that he gave the orders on Wednesday. I mean, I'm certainly no uh, military tactician, but you don't think telegraphing the fact to your counterpart, in this case, China, that you're going to shoot down their balloon. It's a balloon. What what are they going to do? They can't they can't shift its Dude, course. Who knows what those balloons are doing? They got, <laughs> they got, China's got robot dogs <laughs> that barks literally barks orders to their citizens telling them to stay indoors during pandemics. You don't tell me they got some balloons that got a few tricks up their sleeve or up in the no the balloon part of it. No. I will say this: um, you know, not everybody is buying that it's such an innocent little thing. Representative Mike Turner from uh, Ohio said clearly the chairman of the intelligence committee so kind of you know yeah. a guy yeah he's paying attention <laughs> clearly this was an attempt by china to gather information to defeat our command and control of our sensitive missile defense and nuclear weapon sites and this certainly is an urgency that the administration does not recognize well it's funny because the course of this thing and, and that's why it matters right that's yeah, why it matters that it, exactly. you let it go from wednesday to saturday because who knows right. like how actively it's sending information back or we, we that's the reality we don't know what capability it has right and correct and you look at the the course it took which of course can't be completely controlled because winds shift and it could slightly modify its path but it wasn't going over the rocky mountains taking beautiful pictures of of uh you know uh the 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 tree line they're gonna it, make a calendar <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> my beautiful balloon calendar <laughs> no i mean it went past very sensitive military facilities what's interesting to me too though is if you look at this is it's really an old technology china actually does have spy capabilities that are pretty advanced so the idea that they said we're going to take this balloon which by the way was the size of three buses mm -hmm. so this is not a subtle soft touch uh, i think it's not just an intelligence gathering effort this was designed in a way to kind of test what the american response would be and and in my view the response was was really late which actually makes a lot of sense because let's not act like china doesn't have access to satellites right like we Correct. all have satellites we're Correct. all spy on everybody they have spy planes right so i guess that would be my question is what does this balloon doing <laughs> that no other technology that's seen or unseen wouldn't give them yeah like, but it but i think if you think about it in the diplomatic context of this is us seeing what happens and how encroachment will be met that, that actually, I think, helps explain why you would just launch a three-bus-sized balloon across the United States of America. Right. And let's look at the gap in the way which countries deal with this. Um, if we put a spy balloon over China, I think they would have shot it down right away. And, of course, remember, 20 years ago, there was an American spy plane that uh, was in international air. Uh, and a Chinese fighter jet bumped it, causing damage. The plane had to emergency land in a on an island near China, and they detained the U.S. Uh, crew of that plane uh, for about ten days. Uh, there was another instance where we had an underwater drone that was operating in the uh, South uh, Pacific Sea. Uh, they captured it. 
Uh, they said, oh, we'll return it. They returned it a couple months later in pieces. So this is the way China rolls. Our response is to let it cross the entire continental United States, collect its data, send it back to Beijing. And then when it crosses into the Atlantic Ocean, now we're going to shoot it down. Yeah, it's very problematic if you look at it that way. And it's actually problematic if you look at it in the larger context, because what the podcast listener doesn't know is we actually were planning on talking about Chinese encroachment and Chinese espionage efforts in the United States this week. Anyway, this is before we knew anything about the balloon, because before balloon was big news, let's go to Grand Forks, North Dakota, Yeah, because their mayor reversed course and all of a sudden decided, you know what? After hearing from some military officials, this announced uh, joint venture, this agriculture, this rice and mill plant that's going to be built that everyone wanted. Right. Dem- the governor wanted it. Republican yep. mayor wanted it. Celebrating the fact that it's bringing lots of jobs to Grand Forks, North Dakota. They said, actually, we're no longer in favor of this. We're going to stop. And they've gotten like along the way. Right? This is a thing that's been in the works for 18 months. Exactly. And they said, put the brakes on it because we now have concerns about what the true intentions of this are. And this is what the mayor uh, said. He's a first-term Republican. He said, I think what you've seen, at least recently, is a large push away from globalization. Globalization in Grand Forks. That's pretty cool. Uh, And um, he said, are we going to be the first one to basically say no to globalism? Um, And he reluctantly admitted that they need to cancel this deal. You know, I hate to break it to the mayor. I'm sure he's a great guy, does a great job for his community. China walked away from globalization a long time ago. (laughs) I mean, you know, let's let's reverse course. They would not allow an American company without some convoluted joint venture with a Chinese company. They won't allow an American business to buy anything in China. Mm -hmm. You can't open up, you know, a factory. The Tesla factory is co-owned by a Chinese company. The notion that you could, you know, build a mill near a Chinese military base, no freaking way. So I I just find it funny that everybody's now concerned about, quote unquote, globalization. This may mean the death of globalization. China killed globalization a long time ago. And we should have reciprocity. We'll allow them to do in this country what they will allow us to do in their country. That should be the standard. Well, and you should you talk about testing the response and how does the United States handle some of these things. So we do have an entity that we've talked about a decent amount in some of your previous books called CFIUS. Mm-hmm. And it's the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. It's right. their job to, to Peter's point, anytime a foreign government wants to invest here, people look at it at the highest levels and, you know, seven different agencies have a representative at the federal level to say, okay, is this a threat? Are we okay with this? Right. And so Cepheus looked at this and, hey, these guys want to open up a dang, you know, rice plant. Uh, How big of a deal is in North Dakota? And Cepheus said, well, we don't actually have, this is not in our territory. So we're we're punting. Now, what's the name of that group again? The Committee for Foreign Investment in the United States. Okay. And was this a foreign investment in the United States? In why, why are you getting mad at me? I didn't no, do it. I'm, like, just, I'm just saying, how do they? How could they get away with saying they don't have jurisdiction? They look at foreign investment in the United States and, and the national security Im- implications thereof. This was a foreign investment in the United States. The uh, the company in question, the founder of the company, Fugang Group is the name. Of the company. Yes, is the name of the is the name of the group. The founder is Li Jinchun. Nice. Um, and the Chinese Communist Party has recognized him as a quote unquote model laborer. Um, and he once served as a member of the People's Congress of Shandong Province for five years. So this guy is a Communist Party member. He's been recognized as such. For Sifis to say we don't have jurisdiction to me is, again, like the balloon. Part of the problem. 
part of the problem, which is our institutions don't want to step up and, you know, deal with the flack, deal with attacks from China and just deal with these issues. So luckily, because CFIUS didn't say anything, there is something called the United States Economic and Security Risk Review Commission. So thank God for bureaucracy duplication, right? (laughs) Right, right, (laughs) How many guys do we have? (laughs) Thought I'd never say that. Thank God for duplicative bureaucracies. Are you you with CFIUS? No, no, no. Those guys, they they don't take the job seriously. I'm with the USESRC. <laughs> but, but they're the ones that flagged the deal. And right. they said, and this is pretty troubling. They say, hey, you know that rice plant you're trying to build in North Dakota? Well, quote, the Grand Forks Air Force Base has exceptional intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance capabilities, making the recently purchased land the ideal location oh, wow. to closely monitor and intercept military activity. Yeah. So they stepped up. They stepped up. <laughs> and what's so funny to me is this Grand Forks facility has um, – some of our drones there, of course, the Chinese are very much in the drone business trying to uh, compete against the United States. Uh, you have these other capabilities there. By the way, Grand Forks is also the area where they're they're buying this mill nearby. Mm-hmm. That's also somewhat near where the balloon went over. The balloon also went over North Dakota. So North Dakota is getting a lot of Chinese attention these days. Yeah, there's also a California company that makes unmanned aircraft in Grand Forks. It's called General Atomics. And they said, quote, it represents a major vulnerability for maintaining the necessary secrecy and integrity of classified weapons among other things. So yeah. like, luckily there were other people that said, Hey, yeah. and then, so then now I think your North Dakota mayor is like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to take back my ribbon cutting ceremony. Yeah. I was planning on doing. Yeah. Well, and this is a point that you made that I thought was really interesting because we've done a lot on China and elites that are kind of in league with China. But as you pointed out, I mean, North Dakota is not a place what you that you would regard as full of global elites. Right. You know, it's not godless San Francisco. It's not hedonistic New York. It's North Dakota. But when you look at a lot of the places this is happening, it's not just in these coastal cities. It's in places like North Dakota. And also there was a case in Arkansas you you mentioned to me. There's more than one case in Arkansas. I mean, that's I think that's the, the biggest thing that people need to recognize is that we're, we're talking about it's not just an isolated thing in North Dakota. Right. Uh, and it's not just an isolated thing in terms of spy technology. The fact that it's an ag plant is significant, too, because this is actually part of China's business model. You mentioned popcorn seeds earlier. People right. don't know what you're necessarily referring to, <laughs> but there's been like a ongoing problem and not like historically like yeah. last year yeah uh with china actively trying to steal our agriculture trade secrets and intellectual property they had a chinese national who was charged by the department of justice in january of 2022 yeah. with conspiracy to commit economic espionage stealing trade secrets from monsanto and the guy that you're talking about another chinese scientist robert mo he was stealing some things and he had a very creative way of trying to get some of this genetically modified seeds back to China. It was the popcorn bags, smuggling the seeds in popcorn bags. Uh, very creative. I'd like to know who the agent that busted him was, right? I mean, how, like, think about it. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it is. That that That's that's an agent This doesn't right look like a popcorn seed. <laughs> <laughs> that's an agent that needs a promotion. That guy needs to be put on CFIUS. That's what we need. That guy needs to be put on CFIUS. But it's such a big deal that the FBI director, Chris Ray, has even said that when it comes to IP theft, China has targeted companies producing everything from proprietary rice and corn seeds. Yeah. The software for wind turbines. So, I mean, these guys are everywhere yes. in the ag space from seeds to technology. 
and they're just stealing our stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, people will say sometimes, well, you know, China wants to be competitive in artificial intelligence or in chips. We understand that everybody, you know, they want to be competitive and dominate everything, including the agricultural sector. And that's always been in a strength for the United States. And uh, agriculture, a lot of people don't realize, is actually a very uh, technologically sensitive industry. Right. It's done in the areas of biology, seed technology, that kind of thing. Uh, but here, China is doing it as well. Um, so it's an enormous problem that doesn't get the attention. And when you look at some of these land deals that have taken place, there's the one that got the attention with the uh, air base uh, uh, up in North Dakota. But we've started looking here at the Government Accountability Institute at the issue of Chinese land ownership in the United States. And here's the biggest problem, Eric. Biggest problem is we don't really know how much land they own. The Department of Agriculture, which is supposed to keep track of such things, comes out and says, you know, foreigners own, I think it's 4% of U.S. agricultural land. The Chinese own 5% of that 4%. But here's what they're not telling you. If you set up an LLC, a limited liability company in a place like Delaware or Nevada, you can mask who actually owns this stuff. Uh, you see this in residential real estate all the time in places like Florida, where these Chinese entities come in and they buy hundreds of, of houses or condos, and nobody knows they're actually owned by Chinese officials. So again, it's the failure of our institutions to respond to this threat. We shouldn't just be getting mad at the Chinese and say, why do you do this? We should look at why is our leadership class failing to rise to this challenge. And it's leaders of both political parties. But yeah. just to put a bow on your point about just how much land China owns and the fact that we don't know how much land China owns in the United States, had they shot the balloon down during the week when it was still before it got over the ocean, you're saying there's actually a decent chance it would have landed on Chinese soil. <laughs> it could have it could have yeah and then you would have chinese officials uh, suing the chinese government the, the, the give US us government. our balloon back <laughs> give us our, it's our land back. anyway dang it exactly no exactly. But, but to your point like and this is you know you've documented this uh in several books and you continue to research the topic because it does continue to be uh i think just a surprising trend because people they have political interests but um you know you mentioned arkansas and it just is a thing that got flagged because Arkansas just a few years ago celebrated a new manufacturing plant in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And so to launch this manufacturing facility, which is going to supply parts to different, you know, companies like Caterpillar and things like that. Right? So it's manufacturing parts seems okay. But these companies, I mean, these governors, these local politicians, they don't just welcome these deals. They covet them. They pursue they them. They do. This manufacturing plant in Arkansas was pursued by 90 different cities. And it's one of seven different Chinese owned manufacturing deals uh, in Arkansas specifically. And their governor or their former governor, Asa Hutchinson, has gone on numerous trade expeditions to China to try to recruit and bring these companies back. And so it's just interesting to think of like Arkansas, Yeah, you know, like Razorbacks, like hunting, fishing. I mean, it seems like Americana. Yeah. And it just, so I think people would be surprised if, if Arkansas has a Chinese company problem, then I think America has a Chinese business deal problem. Yeah, that's right. And and again, people think of it, uh, you know, at the local level, I'm sure the mayor of Grand Forks, et cetera, they just see it as a commercial opportunity to bring jobs to their communities. And, and obviously there are places in rural America that are struggling for capital investment. The problem is, Frankly, they're kind of making a deal with the devil. 
um, uh, to use the old phrase, because they're dealing with entities that, yes, they are commercial enterprises, but they're owned in China. And that means they are beholden to the Chinese state and they are an extension of the Chinese state, whether the Chinese company wants to be or not. They are. And so people would say, like, oh, what's the big deal? What are they going to do in Arkansas? Uh, there are all kinds of problems with intellectual property theft, uh, with with uh, other activities, including including human trafficking that occur with some of these entities. And so you've got to be very, very careful. I'm not somebody who says there should be no foreign investment in the United States. I certainly don't agree with that. But when you're talking about entities that are wedded to the Chinese state, um, you've got to be very, very careful. And this competition you're saying where they're all trying to get it, they play off of that. They know that these uh, uh, parts of America are starved for capital investment and they will bend over backwards and look the other way uh, uh, as, a, as opposed to really doing the due diligence of what these Chinese companies are up to. You know, it's crazy to think about. Remember in the summer of 2020, so the George Floyd stuff happens and then we yeah. have this kind of like racial awakening. We have an ongoing discussion about racial reconciliation. And in a lot of ways, some of the things that happened from that, you know, we started seeing these Black Lives Matter signs, everything go around at different billboards and uh, intersections and things. And we also started to see the active removal, right, of uh, names and statues that were considered to be now problematic through this modern lens. So anybody that had any kind of connection with slavery or anything that was racially troubling, now it's like you're out. Right. And so we ha- we became very sensitive about association. Right. But it's interesting to think that we did that in the summer of 2020 about stuff from 200 years ago. Yeah. But today. Slavery today. Chinese. I mean, China's yeah. connected. Is China connected to slavery? Yes. Is China connected to espionage? Yes. Is right. China connected to like national security threat? Yes. Yeah. But rather than go so far as to not just distance ourselves from them, but actively remove some of the influence as we've done recently with other problematic influences we welcome them we pay them to come in to set up shop in our homes yeah it's a weird place because if you if you call out uh slavery from 200 years ago in the united states that's a good thing if you call out modern slavery elsewhere in the world that somehow makes you anti-chinese or bigoted that's that's the bizarre and you see this in hollywood by the way um where hollywood and we don't have time to talk extensively about it today but hollywood today uh, has basically adopted that position where they're very so-called politically woke when it comes to the united states uh but they're willing to look the other way because chinese companies are investing so heavily uh, in their industry they're actually changing changing scripts. They're changing storylines to conform to with what the CCP wants. Well, we spoke to an author, right, uh, who wrote a book called Red Carpet yeah. uh, about the Chinese influence on the Hollywood industry. But another, I mean, forget about Chinese influence on the Hollywood industry. China, among the 2,400 companies that Chinese firms, investors have a controlling majority here in the United States, one of them is AMC Entertainment. <laughs> so <laughs> they right. literally own, I think it's 8,000 movie theaters across the country. You know, they own healthcare companies, energy companies. They own technology like Motorola. Um, I mean, they mining, right? Machinery. And they own a lot of stuff, but that's how widespread. Just think like, oh, the movies, right? right. AMC. And, and they use it. And this is not a secret, but they use it to project soft power, right? They use right. it to control the types of films that are seen, the types of cultural influences that Americans uh, consume or are impacted by. And how China's portrayed. Yeah, it's it's the bottom line is it seems to be the case in every sector, whether you're talking about agriculture, whether you're talking about a corn mill in North Dakota or whether you're talking about Hollywood, 
These are business investments by these Chinese companies, but there are always, always political strings attached. And you have to assume that and you have to know that. And it's incumbent upon our leaders to start to get their act together in these areas. I mean, why CFIUS would say we have no say over this North Dakota case, uh, why uh, this balloon was just sort of drifting by and there was no sort of coherent message uh, you know, from Washington, D.C., why we still don't know how much you know, land is owned by Chinese entities, the Department of Agriculture, it's kind of fragmented. Each state has their own standard, uh, to me, is a real problem and something we need to be very concerned about. And by the way, something we can do about it. Um, we can't change the conduct of Chinese companies. All we can do is change the conduct and the manner in which our leaders try to deal with those threats. And they are doing a lousy job in this administration of dealing with these threats. Well, we should say one notable exception, because we did actually have on Friday, legislation introduced by Representative Newhouse, I believe, that yep. would ban Chinese acquisition of land that would be used for agricultural purposes. So you are seeing, I think, maybe if that one piece of proposed legislation is a sign of a heightened awareness, and you've yep. got comments from the chairman of the Intelligence Committee. So it is on people's radar, I think, yes. to be honest, and I hate to say this, like due in part to your reporting and the efforts that have come and the revelations that come from that. I mean, people think Hunter Biden is just a story about drugs and, you know, <laughs> kind of like pictures on a laptop. No, no, no. It's a it's a story about Chinese investment in the family of the president right. of the United States. That's right. what it's a story about. Right. And that's why it matters. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, yeah, so it is elevating, but it's has yet to have, uh, let's call it mainstream appeal. That's right. That's right. But I'm very encouraged. If you turn on the news, if you look in the major newspapers today, you see a rising awareness of what China's doing and how it operates. They they maybe don't want to go after certain political figures like the Bidens in it because it's too politically sensitive for them. But the broader concern about what China's doing, I think is very encouraging. So what are your final thoughts on this topic? Big picture. I know you like balloons. I know you like popcorn. Uh, but where does this story go? Are you optimistic that our political class is going to effectively deal with these challenges? You always ask me if I'm optimistic. I'm always optimistic, you know? <laughs> Uh, but I, I do think the fact that it's, it, it made the news, they did shoot the balloon down. You've got people introducing bills to try to keep China from buying more land. And at the end of the day, even the mayor who sought the, the mill said, all right, we're not gonna do this anymore. Right. Because this is obviously a threat. So I do think like those are positive signs. In my public, pub, yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Public attention does matter. The fact that this balloon got attention for a week, yeah. sort of triggered and required our government to respond because they recognized how pathetic it looked. Same thing in, in North Dakota. Again, I understand the motives of the mayor trying to bring jobs, but the, the rising concern by the public led him to correct and change course. That's a good thing. That's an encouraging thing. So that's a reminder to everybody out there. Keep talking about these issues, keep telling your leaders that you care about these issues because it does really have an effect. Well, it could have been the public or it could have been the letter from the United States you know, Commission and the Air Force saying, no, no, this is a big problem, guys. <laughs> right, exactly. You really shouldn't do this. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, thank you again for joining us as always uh, and listening to us here at The Drill Down. You can find this podcast and articles about our work at the Government Accountability Institute at thedrilldown.com. You can also find the podcast on wonderful locations anywhere where fine podcasts are located. Thanks again for joining us. Mm -hmm.